Men worth admiring patiently wait on God. We are going to be in a series over the next couple weeks based out of 1 Samuel 13 and 14. This is a great section of the Old Testament where we deal with a king, some warriors, and brotherhood. This is a great passage of Scripture, just as men, maybe you're just kind of stuck and you're wanting to know how to engage with the Bible, wanting to kind of get back into it, maybe kind of wake yourselves up spiritually. This is some great reading, great study material for you, if you just want to jump into it in 1 Samuel 13 and 14. Great passage there, talking about Jonathan, Saul, and then eventually the successor of Saul is a guy by the name of David, and we're going to find out how that came to be over the next couple weeks. So, 1 Samuel 13, 5 through 8 says this, The Philistines assembled to fight Israel, with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash near, or excuse me, east of beth When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets, among the rocks, and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. So let me set this up, if you will. So we know at this time, scripturally, there's about 600 or so Israelite fighting men, and just just because of what we read just a moment ago, we see that they have soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore, which is another way of saying a whole lot. It's a whole, whole lot. So now you see this this moment in time, and you see these two armies getting ready to battle, and yet you see one is outnumbered, but they've got God on their side, and then you see the other larger common enemy of the people of God. You see the Philistines and what's going to happen in this passage. In verse 6 and 7, we continue on, and this is what it says. When the men of Israel saw that the situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. So let me break this down for you. So now you have this moment where the hearts of the men are changing, and they we know that the time is critical. We know that they're hard-pressed. We know that some are hiding in fear. Some have already left. Others are quaking with fear, is what we're going to read in a moment, and we see that Saul's men are scattering, Saul being the king and the leader of God's people at the time, and they're scattering. What is, what is Saul going to do in this moment? As we continue on, what we're going to see ultimately is Saul gets impatient and he takes matters into his own hands. Let's read it in verse 9. I'll read it for you. So he said, Bring me a burnt offering, this is Saul, bring me a burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. So he was supposed to wait. He was supposed to wait a length of time that was prescribed by God, and in his waiting, he was waiting for God to show up and bring deliverance. Saul gets impatient, he disobeys God, he offers up a burnt offering, and the reason why he offers up a burnt offering, you could read this later if you want, in verse 12, is because he's not seeking the Lord's favor. So now he's trying to cover it up by saying, well, what am I going to do now? Maybe I'll just give this burnt offering, and if I give this burnt offering, then finally 
you know, we're going to have some sort of deliverance. It's almost like he wasn't believing that God was going to show up in that moment, so he had to take matters into his own hands. This, in fact, would be something that God would use to test him to see if he could be trusted, to see if he was going to trust in the promise of God that God would bring deliverance and to trust Saul's heart to see if he was going to be a man of God enough to lead God's people through these troubling times. We know that he waited a length of time, and yet it just wasn't enough time. It wasn't God's prescribed time. So what's the big deal about a burnt offering? A burnt offering was, if you go in the Old Testament, back to the left in your Bible from 1 Samuel, you'd see that the burnt offering was this complete, it was complete destruction of an animal, ultimately, and it was an effort to restore the relationship between man who was sinful and God who is holy. So this was the way that, that men could have a renewed relationship, that men and women, people could have a renewed relationship with God. The burnt offering was the job of a priest, not a king, and, and, and never a king who's acting out of his own will like Saul was. The only person who was both a priest and a king who could give this offering was Jesus himself, and he offered himself up as this offering, one offering for all times, and you can read that all in Hebrews. As this story progresses, you see that he was impatient, and you see the reason why he was impatient, and yet this is the response of the prophet Samuel at the time. He says, you acted foolishly, verse 13. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and has appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You see, men worth admiring patiently wait on God. Saul disobeyed God. He became impatient with God. And ultimately, it cost him his kingdom. And David would be the eventual king. He would be the one who is highly anticipated. And King David, the giant slayer, would go on to do amazing things. But what you see here is Saul had his days numbered as far as being able to lead God's people. Impatience is really a destructive thing, and it's something that we all have to grapple with because impatience brings conflict with God. It, bring, it clouds our judgment. It, impatience also... It leads us to cut off lasting friendships because true friendships take time. If impatience leads to being overweight, certainly to health problems, and I could just go on and on and on about particular health problems based upon being impatient and not reaching uh, or even pursuing health goals long term. In impatience, it brings about just the sense of being overly emotional and then overspending, and it will lead to family troubles because you, you it's just difficult. When someone is impatient, it's hard to actually sit with them because they're ready to move on to the next thing, and they just transmit this, this impatience, this almost like a, just a negative feeling everywhere they go. So impatience is very destructive. So for us, how is it that we're going to be men worth admiring and then men that also patiently wait on God? Not like Saul, but how can we become better men? Here's a couple things as we just wrap this up. By staying Christ-centered, it allows you to persevere while making plans, offering solutions, and enjoying long-term spiritual development. 
because it's the long-term spiritual development piece that oftentimes gets missed because we want to see results now. We want instant gratification now, and yet we have to persevere and we have to patiently wait on God. God is not in a hurry, therefore we ought not to be in a hurry. We always should be moving at the pace of God. So stay Christ-centered. This allows us to persevere while making our plans by offering solutions to the problems of life and enjoying long-term spiritual development. And also, just something very broadly from this passage, a takeaway is this, is when God gives us instruction, obey it. And when God gives us a promise, believe it. A patient man can lead others while being emotionally engaged and relationally present. Men worth admiring patiently wait on God.